You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa, the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors. Music Tectonics is a podcast where we explore what's going on beneath the surface of music and tech, looking at the innovations that are transforming music and um, all the interesting ways that's happening. So many things have been going on and we've been keeping an eye out on the, the video game world and how that overlaps with music. And today's guest is Karen Allen. How are you, Karen? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So great. You could take time. You're out in LA. You've got this new uh, Twitch channel called In Rotation. And uh, so we're going to talk today about um, how people can use Twitch and how people are using Twitch to um, engage with uh, musicians, music fans, uh, how it works with live streaming. And uh, that's what In Rotation is, right? It's your channel where every stream you feature another artist. Right. I saw a real need for artists to be able to explore on Twitch without having to go through the just the months-long process it takes to really understand what to do on Twitch. So I have gone through the months long project of yeah. trying to figure out how all this works. Um, and I thought I would just make it easy for people who wanted to give it a go and see if it was for them or not. Perfect. Um, and if they do, then I'll help them create a channel. Uh, and if they want to do a one-time promotion, that's great too. Awesome. So we're going to dig into all the ins and outs of live streaming, uh, musicians live streaming on Twitch and the context of that, as well as the, the, the whys and the hows. But let's talk about where you came from first and how you got into the, the Twitch music space. Um, I know you have your own consulting practice, Karen Allen Consulting as well. Um, just give us a little backstory here. Sure. So I've been consulting for the last 10 years or so. And what I generally do is work with startups that have a solution for the entertainment industry. It's been a lot of music, but it hasn't been exclusively music. And by solutions, it could be a consumer-focused app, it could be um, a marketing solution, it could be a data solution, it could be anything that is sort of B2B to the entertainment industries. So I've been very fortunate that I've had a nice sort of broad um, broad um, roster of clients over the years. And I'm just sort of naturally interested in how technology ch is changing the entertainment industry and how it makes things, you know, better for fans and how it gives uh, creators more, more power over what they're doing and more potential to earn. So through that, I just sort of keep an eye on everything, um, whether it's, you know, VR or, you know, live streaming or, um, um, you know, anything that, that is new and interesting that kind of works on the edge. That's kind of where I live. What, so, what are some of the areas that you were in the past that you were looking at and involved with? I was looking at VR pretty closely for a long time. Um, it's definitely a little more mature now. When I was looking at it, it was very early on, still very expensive to do anything. There were some opportunities for music, um, the only one I've really seen take off, which is brilliant, is Beat Saber. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of Beat Saber. It's basically a rhythm game. Um, and you use swords, um, like lightsabers basically, to strike at boxes rhythmically to music. Um, and it sounds silly, but it's really, really, really fun. And super addicting. And it's actually very physical. So people have lost weight doing it. Wow. Um, I know it's really interesting. And the guys who run it, um, it's a couple of game developers and a game composer who put it together with zero investment and um, just kind of took off. Like they, they put it out and they were selling, you know, a couple million dollars worth of games a month for a while there. Uh, I love how you, it mixes in so many, you know, gaming, music and, and health, physical health <laughs> all in one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's a lot like Rock Band. It's really it's really fun in that sense, but it's a lot more simpler than Rock Band, and you can play it by yourself um, or competitively. So it's it's been a massive hit for them. But, you know, beyond that, I've seen some really good ideas. I haven't seen a lot of amazing execution. So um, I'm still interested in all that stuff. I'm interested, I think, a little more in the super experiential VR stuff where you actually go into a whole different world and there's a whole physical aspect to it, some of the stuff that that they're doing, um, you know, where they build out actual sets 
that you can touch and feel and play with. And, and they sort of map the VR world on it. That's really fascinating. So I, I feel yeah. like Karen, I feel like we're like in this, this transitional phase where people are building things that are kind of like virtual or augmented um, analogs to other existing experiences. And that we're trying to get to this place where the the types of experiences that people will be creating and, and having in music, in VR, AR, are not things that we can yet perceive fully. You know, like people are trying to rebuild stuff in virtual spaces and we're trying to get to the space where it's a whole different type of experience. And it, it's hard to get there when the hardware is, you know, not as accessible and um, people can't quite conceive of what it is they're going to experience. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the early music stuff on VR was just sort of recreating concert experiences. And I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's really compelling, honestly. Um, I mean, I've, people were doing this 10 years ago, you know, through various ways, and it wasn't compelling then either. And right. I think what's really important to understand with any new medium is you have to understand what it delivers that no other medium can. And then you've right. got to chase that. Right. And I mean, I recall the very early days of the internet, we were trying to, you know, put up a record store scene and you could click on all the things in the record store and that didn't last. That wasn't fun. You know, we over time we found out, oh, this is, this is the strength of this medium and this is how we play to the strength of this medium. So this is what we should build for it. And out of that came social media, which is mm -hmm. unlike anything we've ever done ever yeah. um, for, for good and for bad, but it's unlike anything we've ever done. And it's completely changed how we market music and how we advertise to people, how we reach people. Um, and, you know, because we understood it was different after a while and it took a while to get there, but I think VR is going to have the same sort of awakening where it's not just about creating worlds. It's about creating entirely different experiences that you simply can't do other places. So you were digging into the, the VR world and keeping an eye out on other things that were going on, which led you down this path towards Twitch. But before we get into what you're doing with In Rotation, what led to the rise of music on Twitch? So I'll, I'll back up a little bit and say that I got into live streaming about three years ago and was even doing panels on this at Meetum and South by Southwest and really talking about it um, as, as early as 2016. Um, I discovered you now which is a live stream platform that is mostly teenagers and then live me sort of bubbled up after that and um this is when periscope was you know was still kind of a thing had still come out pretty recently um, facebook live hadn't come out yet but it was this community of teenagers who were just kind of hanging out and talking to each other and you know maybe doing silly pranks and maybe playing some music and kind of doing the things you do on youtube but doing it in real time and having conversations with people and what was fascinating was to me was these creators were actually monetizing their fan base directly. They wasn't, I mean, it's a free platform, um, but there's plenty of ways for interested people to pay to improve their experience through, um, you know, through buying emoji or through directly tipping the broadcaster or paying for animations to happen on the video screen um, that everybody can see, like all kinds of things you can do. And that interactivity I thought was really fascinating. And I remember seeing a presentation on this um, from the head of you now and thinking to myself, as the, as, so, as the content industry, we have been trying to figure out how to open wallets for 15, 20 years now with premium content. And we, we are banging our head against the wall and we finally have a little opening now through streaming and we'll see how long that lasts um, as a medium. But um, here we are, we're streaming and we finally, you know, are patting ourselves on the back for making money, but it's it's nothing you know compared to what it used to be. And here are these kids paying for not great content. And if you look at it, it's just kids entertaining kids. That's really all it is. But they're opening their wallets. And th this is a demo that doesn't open wallets, like at all for, <laughs> for anything. You know, they they use their mom's accounts and they don't they don't like paying for anything, uh, especially online. So I had to, I had to figure out like what what was that all about? What are they paying for? Like, what's, what's, what is this? So I went on, you now, and, um, just really studied it and really trying to figure it out, like what was happening. And then I started my own account on, you now, and did my own broadcast and uh, it's all, it's all teenagers and it's video broadcasting. So I'm not a teenager. So I did a program called ask an adult 
And the deal was that you can ask me anything that you would want to ask an adult, just not an adult in your life. And that's a great, a great way for you to jump in and not, not yeah. be creepy. <laughs> totally not be creepy. Yeah. So, and I was like, look, I, I don't have kids. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not professional in any way. I'm just, I, I'm your older aunt, you know, who isn't going to tell your mom, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to ask. And, uh, I'll, I'll give you my best answer. I, I may not have an answer. I may have a bad answer. I don't know, but I'll give you, I'll give it my best shot. So that's what I did. And I just went live and, um, I knew the people that, you know, but didn't tell them I was doing this. So I didn't have any help with them in building an audience. Cause I really wanted to see, like, could you just go on as a random person and build audience? And it turns out you can. And it turns out streaming is a lot of fun. I would be on for two to four hours each time and, and time would fly. And I had nothing prepared. You know, I just not like I had like a speech or something or even topics I wanted to talk about. I would just go on and sort of ramble on about whatever's on my mind. And then people could jump in and ask questions or whatever they wanted to talk about. And, and I learned some things from this. I learned some things about live streaming that um, I, I have come to realize are truths about the medium, regardless of the demographic of who was on the medium or of what the content is about. Mm. And that is that this is really about community. And people are there to connect with other people. And they feel connected when you answer their questions, when you acknowledge them when you get in conversation with them. Um, they feel connected with other people who are also in the chat. One thing I would do is if I knew somebody in my chat was gay because they were talking about being gay and then somebody would come on and say, how do I tell my parents? I would throw it back to the person who just said that they were gay. And I'd be like, how'd you tell your parents? And they would have a conversation amongst themselves you know, that I would obviously be following and commenting on and so forth. Um, but that's what they, that's what they were there for. And that's what created this sense of quality and that they were getting something for what they were giving and what they were giving was their time and attention and what they were getting was validation and community and being heard. And that equals quality and that equals, I want to return the favor. The best way I can explain this to people in the music industry is when fans say, I don't want to buy the record. That's kind of a dated way of saying it, but I don't want to buy the record. I don't want to pay for Spotify. I don't want to do all this stuff, but I will go see the band live and I will buy the t-shirt. I want to support the band. The band has given me a lot musically and I want to support them, but I don't want to play the game of the system. It's, it's that same re reciprocity that um, the teenagers and you now felt with the people who were creating content for them. And it's also that they had a very easy way of doing it that was fun for them. So there was like really low engagement ways of doing it and really high engagement ways of doing it. So like a low engagement way is I can spend the virtual currency that I bought on you now and I can buy a virtual gift for the creator. And the virtual gift pops up on the screen and the creator goes, oh my God, Karen, thank you so much for the golden ring or the, the you know, the unicorn or whatever you made explode on my page. That was really awesome. Thank you. And then I, I, I feel like I've gotten something from the chat. I've given something in return. It's been acknowledged. The cycle is complete. Um, and it encourages others to do the same thing. So that's a very low engagement, fun way to do that. And once you buy the virtual currency, you can spend it on any channel. The high engagement way is to actually subscribe to the channel. Hmm. And it works. It's kind of like a Patreon, uh, except without the file delivery. And, uh, and you subscribe for different levels. Um, five dollars, whatever it is, per month, and then you get certain perks in the in the chat um, and from the broadcaster. And those are the two ways of doing it. And people do it. I mean, it's amazing to me if you think about your Patreon. And you, as if you're an artist and you've got you know 100% of your fans right across all socials, and then of that, say maybe 20% of those are actually maybe on your mailing list, and of that, you know, five percent actually subscribe to your Patreon. That's a pretty steep funnel. I'm making numbers up, but that's probably pretty accurate <laughs> across, you know, all your fan touch points across the board. Like only 5% are going to actually cough up like five bucks to one buck a month, whatever it is. Um, but it's completely different when you're live streaming and people feel like they have a direct line to you and 
you're not just some person on a page who's promising a file at some point, you know, and that's one more subscription I have to do. Like the subscription is entertainment in itself. And that's what was happening on, you know, so that was fascinating to me. Um, I started looking at Twitch a little later because there was a whole community actually around the same time I was looking at Twitch too, for music. So I, I've, I've been friends with some artists on there for a few years now and I just started watching them. Um, and they were really fascinating because these were artists that you've never heard of. I mean, they have a record on TuneCore, you know, like everybody else does, but it's not like they're signed. It's not like they're playing necessarily in clubs. These are, it's a lot of hobbyists. Um, I mean, maybe some people are playing out, but not much. It's just people kind of hanging out and doing their thing. So they're truly starting from zero, truly starting from zero. And they're able to build audience on Twitch. And, and were they associated with video gaming at all, or they were literally some, not all, no, no. Twitch in itself is is this huge phenomenon. Um, obviously, it's a gaming platform. People go on there to live stream their games, their gaming. Um, you can play games with them if they allow you into the game. Um, it's hugely, hugely, hugely popular. Just like esports is hugely popular. People why are asking, you know, why would anybody watch anybody play a game? It's well because you like that game, because you like the community around that game, because you're looking for tips, you know, and cheat codes and all kinds of things. Because it's fun to ask someone who really knows what they're doing with the game, like how are they doing that. It's fun to talk with other people, and. Um, you know, it's kind of like what Ninja said on Jimmy Fallon. He's like, why do you watch pro sports? You could just go to the local park and watch someone play sports. Why would you watch pro sports? Because they're good. And it's fun to watch someone who's really good. And if gaming is your thing, then, you know, this is the reason why stadiums fill up for, you know, Dota 2 tournaments. So that's what's happening on a very, like, large-scale level at Twitch. There's, I think, um, 50 million daily active users, something like that. And I would say 90% of that probably is gaming. Um, did you see, did you see a moment that led to the rise of music on Twitch? Was it gamers that were also musicians that first started to do that? And then other musicians saw it and they weren't necessarily known for gaming, but decided to use that platform or was it totally organic? I'm going to say it's totally organic. I really think it's that? totally organic because there's plenty of musicians, musicians I talk to now that have never heard of Twitch. Right. Yeah, who, I, literally I'm giving them a lesson in Twitch. They, they don't know what it is or their kids use it or they're like, oh yeah, my friend games on that. What, why is that relevant to me? It, it's completely organic and it goes back to this community. So so let's let's ask that question then, why is Twitch better or different from other live streaming platforms? You said Facebook Live hadn't started yet when you were um, using you now, but um, obviously Facebook Live is around now. Um, mm -hmm. and YouTube has live streaming now. What What's different about Twitch um, that make it good for live performance and live streaming? Well, um, a few things. Um, the, the number one thing I like about the music category on Twitch is that it's not saturated. So it's pretty easy to get found by viewers. And it's almost impossible to be organically found on Facebook or YouTube. Well, let's talk about that. How do you get found by viewers on Twitch? So you just start streaming and everybody who was streaming in the category at that time is listed in the music category. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing for each game too. So everybody who's, who is broadcasting in the Overwatch category, they're all listed. And they're listed in order of most viewers to least viewers. So you just scroll through, um, you see a little screenshot of the of the live stream, and then there's a description below, and that's your way to kind of get people interested and in, you know and watching you. So that's that's one way. You just go live, and then you're in the listing, and and off you go. Um, because it is a community, and um, I'm going to keep going back to this because it is the most important thing. I would argue that Twitch is not really a gaming site. Twitch is a community site that happens to be about gaming. Um, and the community is really what drives it. And the community is why Twitch is a bit precious about what they will and won't do on their service. And I completely understand what that's all about. Because once you kill a community, the whole thing goes to hell. Mm -hmm. um, so you get discovered by becoming friends with the other musicians. So you would go on their broadcasts as a viewer and you're going to make friends with them. 
comment on their broadcast, participate in some meaningful way. Um, and then they'll discover you at some, they'll go, Oh, it's this person broadcast too. I'll go check them out when they're live, you know, cause there's, there's only, I don't know. There's only probably like, there's less than a hundred broadcasts I would say going on at any given time. Hmm. So it's, it's not that hard, maybe a little more than a hundred, but you know, you're not scrolling. It's not an infinite scroll by any stretch. So it's pretty easy to find other people. Um, when you are done broadcasting, you can do what's called a raid. So you can raid someone else's channel with all of your audience members. Hmm. And it says so when you raid somebody, it says so on their broadcast. So-and-so is bringing in 30 people for a raid. And then the broadcaster goes, oh my gosh, this person is awesome and brought me 30 people. How great is that? And then you stay on for you know a little while after the raid and say hello to all their fans and um you know if the broadcaster is not a total jerk which most of them are not total jerks they will make some conversation with you they will say hey you know check out their channel um at this point they don't care because you're not streaming so no one's competing for the time right it's over um and that's sort of how you do it and then if they're done and you're broadcasting then they can raid you with their audience and it kind of grows from there I've seen it's like a thumbs up, but with a whole posse. Yeah. Yeah. And I've even seen some of the broadcasters, some of the music people um, do collabs the way that YouTubers would go on each other's videos and record videos together. I've seen them do streams together. It's a little tricky because it's, it's really difficult to do that remotely. I've only found a couple solutions that are, that are anywhere near okay. And they, they can be a little wonky. So it's usually mm -hmm. like when they're in town, you know, uh, if they're close enough, like they'll go over to the other person's house and um, and sit and do a broadcast together. And that's a good way to cross promote each other. But because this is a community, um, it's really supportive. Again, it's, it's a bunch of kind of hobbyist musicians who just kind of fell into this on Twitch, however they managed to find it. Um, and they're all just super happy to be there and find people who actually want to listen to them play and we'll give them money for it. And they're super grateful for any other creators who will send them traffic. Um, they're happy to reciprocate the favor. And it's just a real community. Um, Twitch is doing a couple of things. They just announced at TwitchCon Berlin that they're doing, um, they're doing a new way to search through the music category, actually all the categories. You can, there's a drop down menu. It's going to be added in a little while. And you can, you can change the listing from most viewers to least viewers to least to most, and you can also do um, a recommended. So they'll, through an algorithm, they'll keep track of the kinds of things you tend to like, and they'll make their best guess to what you would like to see from there and they'll order it from there. So they, they are sort of helping on the, on the viewer side, but I mean, there are definitely viewers who just like to check out the musicians who have not a lot of people watching. They think they're the mm -hmm. most interesting. They tend to think that, you know, and the whole, you know, indie rock ethos, once they become big, they're over, <laughs> you know, and they want to discover somebody new. So, um, I mean, I know a band, uh, they're called Moonlight Social. They just joined, they're a Nashville band, uh, um, singer, songwriter, duo, male and female, um, really talented. And they haven't even told their fans that they're on Twitch yet. They're just screwing around and like fine tuning everything and trying to figure out how it works. And I'm giving them some advice and so forth. Um, but they, they've got an audience just by going on and a few people kind of stumbling across them and checking them out and thinking they're cool. And they do it because they pay attention to their audience. They pay attention mm -hmm. to people who are in the chat, they respond to them and they'll give things a shot. So like cover songs are really popular on Twitch because people like to hear things they know. And of course these are not artists anybody knows. So covers are really big. Um, and they're really cool about just trying stuff that they might not even know. Like I was on a session one time with these guys and, and people in the chat were just throwing out 90s rock songs. And some they knew and some they didn't. And the ones they didn't, they were like, wait, wait, hang on. I can get this. I can get this. And they'd try it and kind of eke it out. And it was just so fun. It's just so fun to do that. And it makes you just really like, you know, like these people and want to come back. I get the sense that you're, you're saying that the discoverability is one of the big differences between Twitch and say Facebook live, where you kind of have to have your own community or it kind of augments through friends of friends on Facebook live or friends of followers. And 
YouTube, it's got a similar kind of word of mouth, but you're saying that on Twitch, it really feels like there's a lot of discoverability there. Are there other? There is. Even just to discover any any random broadcast, like I challenge you to go, to go on Facebook Live and try to find out where all the live broadcasts are happening right now. I challenge right. you to go to, to Instagram Live and try to figure out what what's the listing of everything that's live right now. It doesn't exist. Right. You have to have followed someone to get notified when they go live. Mm-hmm. You know, and then even when you do that, the monetization is is the next big thing. It's crap. It's really really crap. So before we talk about monetization, I want to ask you, is Twitch better suited for certain music styles over others? Or do you see certain pockets of energy based on genre or things like that? This is the really interesting thing about Twitch. Um, You would think it would be like a lot of EDM because it's gamers. And some of the 24-7 radio style streams are. And there certainly are some DJs who go on there and and just spin uh, and mix. But I would say it's mostly singer-songwriters. It's mostly things that you can plug into your laptop and do with a few people or one person. And that comes down to a lot of singer-songwriters. Sometimes it's, you know, kooky people who plug in their keyboards and do video game music. And um, some people just play over sound recordings, which I think is a really weird thing to watch, but people seem to enjoy that. Um, literally there's a guy who just, you know, he just kind of rages on his guitar over like Van Halen songs and stuff and does, you know, does his riffs and stuff. I'm like, all right, man. Uh, and it's just him and people love it. Uh, he's, he's like a really fun personality and he, he makes it like, you know, I'm a rock star and it's, it's really great. Um, but there's that, there's a guy on there who just raps. He's a really good freestyle rapper. Um, white guy with a beard looks kind of like a biker. Uh, but he's a really good rapper. <laughs> he can freestyle just about anything, and he works people's names into the raps, and they're really, really fun. Um, so I've definitely seen that. Um, you know, I, every so often I'll run across an artist that I think actually like, could commercially make it outside of Twitch, but I, I would say like 95% no. And it's not the point, honestly. Hmm. You know, not all of them are there to make it huge in music, and some of them just want to make a living, and you can certainly make a living like if you if you stick with it and you're consistent and you understand how the whole thing works and what you're actually doing there and how to serve your audience. Um, yeah. I mean, you can definitely pull in, you know, three to 10 grand a month for sure. Well, so let's talk about that. How does the monetization on Twitch work? So it works a lot the way that I said before. Um, you can, uh, you, you have to get to a certain level in Twitch before you're, before you're able to monetize on Twitch. So by level, I mean a certain number of average concurrent viewers per stream. You have to have a certain number of followers and following is free, Um, but a certain number of followers, uh, you have to have broadcast for a minimum number of hours per month. Um, There's a bunch of things they wanna know that you didn't just do one broadcast and now you wanna get paid. It's like their accounting can't support that. So once you hit that level, it's called affiliate. And uh, once you're an affiliate, you are able to charge subscriptions. And the subscriptions are $5 a month, $10 a month, and $25. Technically $4.99, but let's just say $5, $10, and $25. And you can set what you want to do for each one of those tiers. Generally, it's just, it's more emoji. So emoji is a really big deal in the chat. People like using emoji. It's how they dance along. It's how they sing along. It's how they applaud. It's how they crack jokes. It's, you know, as much as you would do it on your mobile, like that's how important emoji is in the chat. So if you are an affiliate, you can start making custom emoji and your subscribers will be able to use that custom emoji. And that's a kind of a big deal. And you can get really creative with that. Like I've seen, I've seen people who have, songs that go like TikTok in the songs, they'll make an emoji that says TikTok. So when they play that song, the TikTok emoji just like is completely spammed throughout the, the chat and it's really fun. You can also make those emoji kind of explode up on the screen. So when you have like a lot happening, it just like, you know, it's a huge event. It's really cool. So that's sort of an engaging way. That's the reason why people won't want to subscribe. Um, when you're an affiliate, your users, your fans are able to buy what's called bits, which is the virtual currency on Twitch. And with bits, you can pay for things called cheers. So you can cheer for people, which is another way of saying you can buy um, Twitch's emoji. 
to to um, have an emoji appear on the screen. It's separate from your custom emoji, and it's separate from the free emoji that Twitch offers as part of just the deck. It's like it's other kind of emoji. It's you know it's um it's like little explosions and stuff, and it's meant to it's meant to be very cheering in its nature versus you know kooky. <laughs> so there's that. So that's that's what Twitch is able to offer. Then there's a whole other world of what all these third-party software companies are offering. So there's a whole world of apps you can use either um, through the extensions panel in Twitch or just honestly completely on their own. And that's companies like Streamlabs and Stream Elements. And you can hook up your PayPal account and they will take tips through your PayPal account. And that's free. They don't charge anything on that. And Twitch definitely takes a chunk of your money. On subscriptions, Twitch takes 50%. And on um, bits and cheers and so forth, it's effectively uh, 30% that they take. You effectively get 70%. I won't go too far on the weeds and the math. Uh, it kind of depends on what people buy in. You get one cent per bit, um, but based on what they charge for the bits, um, it's about 70% split to you. Hmm. Um, as opposed to if you run all of your tips and donations through Streamlabs or through Stream Elements, they just take the money and send it straight to your PayPal account. And they don't take anything for that. So there's been a lot of other apps that have kind of popped up that help kind of feed, you know, money going in there. So you can literally make money on day one without being an affiliate of Twitch. Um, the next level up from affiliate, by the way, is partner. And you just get, you get more emoji, they're called emotes. You get more emotes. And if you're huge, like Ninja, that has, you know, 20,000 people concurrently watching them or whatever, um, the, your split on the subscribers becomes more like 70%. So the best you're ever going to do on Twitch is like 70% split um, mm -hmm. versus running all your donations through a stream laptop, stream elements, which is going to put the money straight into your PayPal. And that's 100%. Um, so that's how you make money on Twitch. Wow. Wow. It's like, it's, it's, it's its own economy, own alternative economy there. It is. And you know what? A lot of these artists also have Patreons and people subscribe to their Patreon and it blows me away that they will, they will subscribe to their Twitch channel for five bucks a month. And then they will also subscribe to their Patreon for five bucks a month. And didn't I just say that it's difficult to get your fan base to join your Patreon, even though you have like, you know, a lot of fans, the funnel down to actually opening a wallet and opening a credit card even for five bucks a month can be such like a wall for people sometimes. Um, but if you partner that up with a personal element, something that's very human and I'm going to play a song for you, I'm going to have a conversation with you. You're going to have fun with my audience. We're going to do this two, three times a week. I'm going to take your requests. You know, if you bundle all that together, now it's valuable. Now I'm in it. Now I'm, I'm like psychologically I'm in it. This isn't just something that, you know, I'm a stand for. And I'm going to throw money out if I feel like it. Like, I'm in it. I'm part of this. And that's when the wallet's open. And that's when it's not a big deal then to also join the Patreon. It's really, really fascinating to me how um, people can seriously make money with this. So uh, Twitch was acquired by Amazon a few years back. You don't hear it talked a lot about very often. Um, mm -mm. And there was very recent news that Amazon maybe or is launching an ad-supported music streaming service independent of Amazon Prime. I'm curious if you've thought about where the possibilities might go for integration across Twitch and Amazon. Or Well, the fact that it's... Okay, well, here's a couple things. Um, Amazon... Prime is integrated with Twitch. So if you have a Prime account, then you can get Twitch Prime for free. And Twitch Prime is mostly benefits for games. You get loot for games, you get all kinds of, you know, spiffs for games, um, none of which I bother with. But the cool thing about it is you can also subscribe to one channel per month for free and the creator gets the money. So you, hmm. it's, it's the $5 level, it's not the expensive levels, but still. So as as a Prime member, I can then join Twitch Prime as a benefit of Amazon Prime, and I can assign my my one channel, free channel per month to whatever channel I want. So that's one way they're integrated. Now, well, we need to get everyone you know with Amazon Prime accounts that don't use Twitch to start subscribing to your channel. Oh, don't don't even think I don't hype that to hell. <laughs> with with my clients, I produce a channel for Marina V. Uh, her channel is Marina V Music, V like Victor. And she just made affiliate 
um, within, I think, a week and a half, which was a lot faster than I thought it was going to happen. Um, right. So I'm really proud of her. And then um, she's probably got 20 subscriptions right now. And a good chunk of those are Amazon Prime, are just her fans who are on there who, you know, oh, I can subscribe for free. I can help you out without it costing me anything. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, and it's amazing. It's amazing how much that pops up. Um, so there's already some integration with Amazon and, there and Twitch. There is, but there is no integration with the music service of Amazon Prime. Right. So if they do one outside of music, I, if they're not already doing it with Prime, then why would they do it outside either? Hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether Amazon gets into this original content game and how the possibilities for sourcing content through Twitch could lead to delivery on Amazon Music or, or something. I mean, I... my understanding of it is that Amazon sees Twitch as their gaming play. They don't, I don't believe that they've seen it as broadly as a live stream play that they could create new communities from. And it astounds me really, really astounds me why they haven't thought of it that way. Well, I mean, I, my next question is, is Twitch edging in on YouTube's market? And you think, well, Google bought YouTube, Amazon bought Twitch. It seems like it's part of building out another piece of the ecosystem. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, I know that it's not the same. Twitch is not the same. It's got a different community vibe. The way it's structured, as you've described it on this podcast, it's different. It feels different. It acts different. Discovery happens differently. Um, but it does make me wonder if, though, what you're seeing is that Twitch is Amazon's, um, is their gaming play. It seems like there's a video community component that could become more relevant down the road. It's interesting. Um, it's so different. What you go for Twitch for is so different than what you go to YouTube for and what you go to Facebook for. I would argue that Facebook and YouTube and Instagram are socially driven content distribution platforms. I would not argue that they are necessarily communities. Mm. Facebook is kind of a community. It has community components on it for sure. I wouldn't describe Instagram as a community. I wouldn't describe YouTube as a community so much as I would say it's a socially driven content distribution platform. Twitch is really community driven content, mm -hmm. or you can even say content driven community. It's probably a like content driven community. So it's completely different. Right. There's a it's, lot more real-time interaction on Twitch than YouTube. YouTube, there's the commenting feature, which could be quickly back and forth, but it doesn't feel as uh, real-time. It feels more asynchronous. It doesn't. And again, those live feeds are not easy to find. Oh, yeah. You know, there. I mean, there is no, hey, look at all the stuff on YouTube Live right now. They're, I've never seen it. You know, I've gone to YouTube and looked for like, what's up for live and like nothing. You, you have to have followed the person who is going live and YouTube isn't, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram are not appointment television, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you get there when you get there and, and you do the infinite scroll and you stop on what you like for a minute or two and then you keep going and that's the deal. Right. That's the gig. And you and Twitch is different. Twitch is you go to hang out. I mean, people will sit in. I think the average time for um, the average session time for a viewer on Twitch is ninety minutes, and I bet you that's mostly in one channel. Wow, I bet you it is. Um, I know. I know some streamers will stream for four hours, six hours. I've seen some do twenty-four hour streams, um, like when they're trying to do like a, a fundraiser for an album or something. Mm. They'll do twenty-four hour streams. Mm. Just really funny in the last few hours. <laughs> they're falling. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, honestly, I really, th I don't think, I don't think you can put Twitch up against YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all those others in the same light. I think they sit alongside it. I don't think it's competitive at all. When I talk to artists and managers, I tell them this is this is another component to what you do. It's not competitive. You can even pull bits and pieces out of your Twitch and use that as part of your content calendar for your socials elsewhere. And you should be using your socials to promote your Twitch. But 
what you do on them is so completely different. How you monetize is so completely different. How you interact with your fans is so completely different that it's, it really is its own medium. And you shouldn't think about it like, is this a problem for YouTube? Is this a problem for right. Facebook? We recently um, had um, the CEO and founder of PEX, uh, Rasti Turek, on the podcast. And he said that what he's seeing from a broad little view of everything that's happening with online video and other social is a decoupling of video from YouTube. And so there's these other ways in which people want to engage that involves video that's not the same as YouTube. And that people don't want everything in one app. They do want multiple apps for different types of experiences. So that's kind of consistent with what you're saying. Twitch has a whole different use case for fans. And it, it does. Yeah. I mean, YouTube and Facebook are making a push for games with their live streaming for now. And last I heard they were paying some gamers to, um, to play games and they were trying to make a go from that. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think they really, I don't think they understand live. I really don't. I don't think Facebook understands live at all. Yeah, they're adding it as another tool for their existing use case instead of... It doesn't fit into their basic value prop. They are a content-driven ad company. Mm. <laughs> and that's not what you do with live streaming. And they spent millions of dollars paying really big content publishing companies to create live streams on Facebook. And they did for a good year or two, the BuzzFeeds and Tastemades of the world took that money and made content for Facebook Live. And Facebook Live was monetizing through advertising. And that was it. Okay. And you're not going to make as much money with an advertiser on a live stream as you are on a VOD that accumulates views over days, weeks, months, you know, where it's, where it's worth the money and you'll make the money over time. Like you got one shot with a live stream. Once that stream's over, it's not fun to go back and watch a live stream, you know, because it, because it's long. It's not a quick little snappy, highly edited, you know, three to five minute video you can kick out in your scroll. Like you got to sit there and watch it. And that's not what you do on Facebook. So they didn't build in anything that made it fun for people to want to stay and spend money or even monet even build in monetization. They only added tipping in like much, much, much later. And I don't even know how you do that, honestly, or if anybody really feels like they're going to pay for anything on Facebook. So they don't understand like fundamentally the purpose of live and how you do that. Um, once this money ran out and these, the Tastemades and BuzzFeeds and so forth were still creating content, they were making money on it. The advertising money was not there and it, it became infeasible for them to keep creating content for live and they stopped. And that was a huge, huge, huge lesson. Um, again, which is why I say, I don't think Facebook understands live. Right. I think with Facebook live works for them when it's an event, hmm. when it is football or baseball, or it's, um, a political speech or an event right. that people are going to come and rally around. They have since kind of pushed a lot into Facebook watch, which makes a lot of sense for them. Um, I really think Facebook should be doing like group TV watching. I don't know why they're not doing that more. <laughs> Um, I mean, I run a couple of Facebook groups about television shows that I like, and I don't even know how to use Facebook Watch. They, they never promote that to me saying, hey, I see you've got a This Is Us group. Why don't you do a watch? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Why don't I? <laughs> you know, they, they, they just don't really push that. They're, they, they make their money with the Procter and Gambles of the world, right? They don't make their money on UGC. They make their money with those guys. And those guys want a lot of money out of their dollar. I mean, they want a lot of value out of their dollar and that's VOD. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, 50 million views of this video that that's worth paying for. Right. right. So yeah, I don't think they fundamentally understand it and then they're not really set up to monetize it. Yeah. Let's go back to the artist side. What's your pitch uh, to artists for why they should spend a portion of their limited time learning and using Twitch and building an audience there versus many other things that are probably calling for their time. Well, here's the thing. If you have limited time, then don't bother. I don't think this works for a lot of established artists, and I'm not going to pretend that it does. That's why I have in rotation. They can come on my channel or any other channel they want to pop on. If they're a gamer, then they should chop up, jump on a gaming channel, um, some gamer that they like, and they should do a promotion there. And, you know, they can set up their Streamlabs and make their money if they, if they want to monetize, if that is going to work with their label deals or not. Um, but I don't think this works for Ariana Grande. 
you know, I don't think this even necessarily works for the pixies, honestly. Mm. Um, if, if you are out there and working consistently, like you don't have time, you can't pay someone to do your Twitch the way you can pay someone to do your Instagram. It doesn't work and you've got to show up and you've got to want to be there and you've got to want to interact with fans. And if you're a studio rat or you're really busy, this is not the place for you to be. You should just jump in once in a while on a channel like mine um, or again with a gamer and do one-off promotions and call it a day and find something else to uh, to build your fan base with because that's it's just not how it works and you know it's going to be a waste of your time you're going to get very frustrated and so are the fans. So this is really for the artist who's looking to build audience instead of going to do an open mic night they're going to go and they're going to play online and build build a community there. Yeah, honestly, I think if you're really going to do it, you got to commit for two to three hours per session, two to three days per week. That's the commit. Wow. Yeah. And that's the way that you build audience over time. You know, that's the way that money adds up over time. It's really the way to do it. And again, I know artists that make six figures doing that. Hmm. Like, they do well, <laughs> you know? And then once you've sort of created that base, you, you know, you put songs, your originals out on Spotify, people start requesting your originals, you put them out on Spotify, you do your pre-saves. It be, kind of becomes your launching pad for everything else because you have this, you sort of have what everybody's looking for that we've all been told, you know, is sort of the Valhalla of creating a music career is to have dedicated fans. And this is a way you can actually create dedicated fans. So I feel like I see these, mo I've been in the music industry since the 90s and in the past 10 years, I guess five years, you see these moments where there's a platform that's developing heat and the artists that get in early and learn how to use them and build the community within the framework of that community, the rules, the guidelines of that community, not the official ones, but the cultural ones yeah, for sure. end up building a career. They end up getting there early enough there. And I feel like what I'm hearing from you is this is Twitch's moment for music that if you want to get in there now and, and put in the time that you'll reap the rewards down the road. The potential is certainly there. It certainly could be an all boats rise situation. I mean, I would say that's true for any social network, that eventually takes off the ones who got in first kind of got a foothold on audience and they became more popular as this, as the um, platform became more popular. This is definitely a time where you can do that. Um, but you're completely right that there are a lot of unspoken rules about the community. And um, I mean, the biggest rule is don't be an asshole. <laughs> You know, don't be a grubby asshole. I was looking for I one of those monetization platforms where I could, the more I was an asshole, the more money I could make. People don't mean to be assholes. They just are. <laughs> you know, you go on and you just see dollar signs in your eyes. Like, oh, I'm going to do this then. And you just, you know, you can't just walk into a room full of people and, you know, start like spouting off your shit. Like you have to make friends with people and walk around the room and, you know, chat them up a little bit. And like, otherwise you're the asshole of the party. Hmm. and nobody will raid you <laughs> nobody wants to watch you you know it's it's a whole thing like as much as i stand on my soapbox and talk about twitch to literally anybody who sits still long enough unfortunately for them um i'm also extremely protective of it i'm really protective of it and i spent a lot of time figuring out um what are these unspoken strategies and, and, you know, what do you, what do you do? And how do you, how do you not be that, you know, raging asshole at the party um, who comes in and eat all the Cheetos and drinks all the beer and then clogs the toilet and leaves. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Be the guy who brings the beer. Be the guy who puts more Cheetos out, <laughs> you know, awesome. bring the guy who tells the host that the toilet paper is all gone. Like be that guy, be that guy. Um, and there's lots of ways of doing that. And that, you know, that's a way that you're going to, you're going to sort of be accepted by the community. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely could get icky and, and um, opportunistic, and I do not want to see that. And um, part of what I do when I have artists on my channel and I'm advising artists who want to start their own channels is I sort of, you know, give them like this, okay, this is what's happening here. And this is what you're going to do when you're not going to do. And this is how you're going to do it, how you're not going to do it. And, you know, the whole like, just be cool thing. Um, so if people want to check out In Rotation, how do they go about checking it out? So they would go to twitch.tv slash In Rotation. 
And if anyone wants to tell you they're bringing Cheetos or that the toilet paper needs to be changed, where can they reach you? <laughs> uh, so far, they can reach me at Karen at KarenAllen.us, um, which is a very unsexy email address. It's descriptive, um, though. Yeah. You know, I still got one foot in the consulting, um, in the startup consulting business and another foot in this whole Twitch thing. So I haven't totally rebranded myself as in rotation, but Karen at KarenAllen.us is pretty fair for reaching me. Um, just so you know, the kind of artists I'm looking for are the kind of artists that have audience because, because um, I don't do my own, I'm not my own creator. Uh, I have found that my channel, um, the audience is very artist driven. So there will be some who will um, come through because they're just followers of my channel or they're just looking for something new or they saw that was interesting, but most of them will be um, fans that artists themselves have brought in. So if you can bring in between like 50 to hundred people, that's a party. We're fine there. You don't need to bring in 500 people. Like 50 to hundred is totally fun. You'll have a good time. You'll get a sense of it. You might make some money on it. If you can bring in 500, that's amazing. Um, you'll definitely make money with that. Uh, and it's a lot more fun than just doing a concert window for sure. And uh, you'll get a sense to see if you want to be part of Twitch or not. Um, but again, because I because I keep switching out the artists, it's uh, and I don't necessarily at this point stick to one genre. I had a rapper, I had a, um, the Fantastic Plastics on. They're kind of like a Devo style band. I had a singer songwriter from Nashville. Um, I'm definitely in an experimental phase right now, so I haven't really like locked in on it. I'm only doing alt rock or anything like that. It's like a so, uh, South by Southwest showcase. You don't know what you're going to get. In it's, yeah, yeah, it kind it kind of is, and 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 I can do that because there's not necessarily one genre that does super well on Twitch. Right. Singer songwriters do good. EDM does good. I've seen some metal bands do good. I mean, I've seen some really dorky keyboardists do phenomenally well with their dorky keyboard stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of all over the place right now. Yeah. Well, and if people want to meet you, they could come to the Music Tectonics Conference, which is taking they place could. Uh, October 28th and 29th in Los Angeles. You'll be speaking there. We're still tweaking what the exact panel, how it's going to be framed, but come meet Karen at Music Tectonics and you can sign up for a newsletter of music tectonics so that you can keep updated on all these podcasts and on our blog and news about the conference. And you also get a discount to the conference somewhere between a 50 and hundred dollar discount, depending on when you register for your badge, go to musictectonics.com. And uh, Karen, it was so great to have you giving us this deep dive into how to live stream music on Twitch. Thank you for the time. It was super fun. I could talk for three more hours. Easily. I love this topic. I had a blast talking to you about it. And uh, folks, go ahead and subscribe to Music Tectonics on your favorite uh, listening platform and tell your friends about it. We'll keep bringing you great stories, deep dives, news roundups, and so forth. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.